0: Everyone, Welcome to Le Up in Defeat, 11 Minutes. Um, I'm your host today. My name is Bart van Buchem. I'm a, a pain physiotherapist specialist in the Netherlands. With me today is uh, Joshua Paid, Dr. Joshua Paid, to be totally correct, um, working in Sydney UTS as a physiotherapy lecturer and um, um, predominantly working on pediatric pain and education. We're going to talk all about this. Um, I'm just going to hit the 11-minute button because this is going to be a, a tight one. Um, we're going to be discussing uh, a few exciting uh, upcoming um, results from the study, um, but we're trying to get our hands in it right. We're trying to really get this uh, understandable for us and our viewers and listeners, so um, have fun. Welcome, Josh. day. Good day. Um yeah I did this brief introduction is there anything that I need to mention that I didn't said but you feel like it's important to mention
1: Oh no I think that was pretty kind of you thanks yeah
0: <laughs> All right good 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 So um yeah um yeah really excited to have you so um pediatric pain um, um probably uh what this so what we're going to cover is um is a is a study that is to, about to be written Um, at the moment, uh, but you'll probably need some background on this one.
1: Yeah, sure. So um, it's a single case experimental design, so SCED, and that's a big umbrella term. So it means lots of, there's different types of doing that. Um, And the one that we chose was um, a constant sequence where um, there's multiple baselines and then someone Mm -hmm. is given a sham intervention. And then there's multiple kind of measures again, and then they're given the real intervention, and then there's multiple measures again. And so the idea is, it's um, we 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 told the assessors and the patients that it's random the order that they're receiving, but um, because we thought that there's no going back once you receive real education, we wanted to do a constant sequence. So um, it was a, it's a complex design, but basically we were giving out children's books to a, a range of kids and. the design allows kids to be their own control group if you like so if you're familiar with Mm. a randomized control trial it's kind of like that but on an individual level Um, and so what that allows us to do is to control for all of those tricky variables where it's like you read these big studies and you're like oh yeah but that's just the average finding Um, Mm. it allows us to dive in for that specific individual why did they take the journey that they took and our outcome of interest was um, uh, their copy score, their concept of pain inventory score, and that's a questionnaire that I developed in, um, with a whole range of different collaborators through my PhD. And basically, this is a, a series of questions like feeling stress can make my pain worse um, and they can strongly disagree through to strongly agree. Um, And yeah, and basically in this study, we we assessed that questionnaire at nine different time points over a a six-week period. And I've got the books here, actually, but I can show you. So at at week two, they received this book um, and had the same title and looked similar to the real book. But basically, that first book just really covered information about... How do you rate pain intensity? And so we didn't expect; like we thought that was a sham in the sense that yeah. it didn't really cover any meaningful content that we thought would change the way someone thinks about pain. And we're talking about eight to twelve-year-old kids, so they found it yeah. interesting, <laughs> um, but That's it wasn't good, like life-changing. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. Whereas the real book talked about how um, you can have pain in the absence of damage and that that story from the BMJ in 1995 about the builder with the nail between his toes. Mm. Um, and both books rhymed. Both books were colourful. They felt nice. Um, and so we had these fantastic research assistants doing interviews um, at week two and week four to kind of also gauge whether or not the kids were changing the way they think. Is that all making sense? So yeah, de- range your time definitely. points. Yeah, the two books, and we tried to see were they changing the way they think or not.
0: And um, so the, so 8 to 12, you say, right? 8 to 12 yeah. is, is the... And um, just from my own experience, I like it, it can be a tough age um, in, in the clinic, but also as a parent, I guess, uh, where, where yeah. th- there is a shift of how you look at the world. Generally from totally. a more from a more like dreamy world to like reality. Is that where you is that why you're focusing on this group?
1: Yeah. So the focus is intentional. That's the age where chronic pain typically starts emerging. Mm. Um, that's the late kind of what we call in Australia primary school. Um, it's that age group where It's prior to the the cognitive developmental stage where you can think abstractly. So these kids are still thinking concretely. I mean, we didn't do a a formal developmental assessment, but based on age, we think roughly under 12-year-olds fit that bill. And then um, the other thing is they don't have that sense of self yet. So they're still very influenced by parents and by siblings and health professionals and, and peers and teachers and all these different people kind of whatever happens to those people, it's like as if it's happening to them. Um, and so we're fascinated in if we can get the education in terms of pain science right for that age group, I think that will lead the way in terms of what what works for teenagers and what works for adults. Um, so rather than trying to simplify really complex textbooks, like the goal is to try and start with here's what kids are thinking and we'll add to these concepts as people get older, Um mm-hmm. Rather than trying to assume that everyone can read Wall and Melzack's textbook of pain or something like that, um,
0: yeah. But sometimes I feel like that, that, that texts are when, when you're focusing on, on, on appropriate uh, explanations for kids, they are very likely to work for adults
1: as well. Yeah, um, I, I, did, I have a hundred the same? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, we don't we don't know, but I think if you look at like maths curriculums or in, like anything at school, you, you go to school before you go to university. And so to expect an adult patient to learn postgraduate, like biology of pain um, is probably a bit much.
0: <laughs> so what will be the definition of good ed- education for kids um, who are not in pain? Is it right? So your kids, they were not
1: so In this study pain. is a pilot, and we had a group who didn't have pain mm. and a group who mm. did have persistent pain, and we wanted to also compare some of those differences. Yeah.
0: So what um, did you find there? Was there was there something obvious for you, just as a, as well, a researcher? Maybe not even like statistically proven, whatever. But your yeah, the feeling. numbers
1: are the numbers aren't huge, but I guess what we what we can see is so kids with chronic pain are really relying on their own experience in the way that they're explaining things. So the interviewer, for instance, asked or oh, draw whatever you think of when you hear the word pain and kids without any prior previous chronic pain, they just drew injuries and, and their definition really everything about pain is to do with injuries. Whereas kids with chronic pain have had that suffering and sadness and Like the emotional elements, the heartbreak, the tears, they drew all these other elements. And I think um, when they then reflect on what they read in the books, they're applying it to their own experience. Whereas I think for a kid who hasn't ever thought about pain much, you're introducing these ideas of like, oh, what's damage and pain. And it's a little bit more foreign. And and so I think simple is really, really important at this um, developmental stage.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so so would you so in terms of education as a or learning about pain probably and learning about your own experience, this is what you're saying, right? So learning from experience is, is hard when you don't have had the experience of ongoing pain. Perhaps yeah, well, there was a girl
1: in, in one of the previous studies, there was a girl who said, oh, my mom's had a knee replacement, my neighbor's had a knee replacement. So if you've got mm-hmm. pain, you just got to have a knee replacement. And it's so oh, yeah. concrete. Um, and I think it's it's really challenging. Like if you say, well, but what about headaches? And they said, no, no, that's just what you've got to do. And and, and it's kind of like a knee replacement for everyone. Um, and because she didn't have that previous experience of suffering, it was like, well, that's what happened to mom. And that's what happened to my, my neighbor. neighbour." Um, but I guess one thing that's been really interesting, we're still analyzing this data, is we've got so many different time points. And even between the the first time point and and the week one time point, before even the sham has arrived, scores are fluctuating. And so we're thinking maybe even just giving the questionnaire is causing like some level of reflection or learning mm. and, and changes in responses. And, and definitely in the interview, the the way that the questions were worded facilitated that reflection a little bit. And so in like the majority of sh- the kids in the second interview said, um, yeah, the, the book, the real one um, changed the way that I think about how the brain has such a huge role in all of these different aspects of pain. And, and so they anecdotally kind of reported these things. And then we had these anchoring questions where we said, have you changed the way you think about pain? And that didn't really correlate with their scores or their responses in the interview. So it's Mm. like, I I don't know if this is true in adults, but do they need to be aware that they're changing the way they think or not? And and so Mm. that's kind of what's in my mind at the moment is like, do we need people to be self-reflecting and and really aware that they're changing or do Mm. we just need them to change? (laughs) Or for some people, they don't even really need much change and they can just, they can do graded exposure and stuff like that straight away.
0: Yeah, yeah, I can relate to that. Yeah, yeah, Is it, it reminds me on implicit learning, or or even having yeah. the strategically being able to the, the metacognitive strategies that people are able to 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 process, and and just like you said, it's probably not even necessary for all of them to replicate the information or being able to fill out the right answers on a questionnaire. Is that, yeah. is that where you where you're looking at so uh so in yeah. the future so if, if i think there's still a bit of a like a d- debate going on where whether education learning about pain and knowledge does knowledge improve outcomes in pain or even preventing people to get uh in trouble uh on the lives yeah. this definitely is, this is not the design to prove that but what is your gut feeling in 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 when you start early educating kids um, yeah. on this typical data, what is your gut feeling on on the the yeah well, what what
1: might I like go on I after think I, I mean I'm very biased obviously, but like anecdotally, it seems like the the knowledge and skills I have have a protective effect on me developing chronic pain, and and it's kind of like what's that minimal amount of education that we can give across a whole the whole next generation. Um, to maybe prevent chronic pain. And it, and it needs to be tested. Oh, time's up. <laughs> time's up. No way. Oh, wow, that flew. fast! <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: But um,
0: I w- would allow you just to finish it up for now because you made your point for sure. And so what will be the next thing from here on with this study? What will be your excitement about? So what is your next step?
1: Yeah, so I have a PhD student, um, Beck Fechner, who's going into schools and we're looking at if you if a teacher reconceptualizes their their pain and reconceptualizes their students' pain, can they be the ones who deliver this kind of education on mass? Because they're the experts in education. They're spending like forty percent of a kid's time, their awake time with them. Like why not empower the people who are there already as the key influencer? Um, And then clinicians, we can help with the parents and with the like the the system stuff and the hospital based stuff. But, um, yeah, I'm really excited about seeing how school based education might help us in the long term prevent um, this pain related disability in in that um, huge number of people across the world.
0: Yeah, I know. This is such a gut feeling that you feel this is the right move, right? So even the teaching people on uh, kids on emotions like anger and and uh, anxiety, for example, just makes sense, especially for parents to help them out to cope with their kids um, and and in schools. So um, yeah, thank you for this. Um, we will we will be talking more, I uh, assuming. Uh, for now, we're gonna. Leave it there. Well, the 11 minutes are are done. Um, I want to thank all the viewers and listeners. If you're a listener on the podcast, you can see the podcast notes. Uh, You will find some references and more information about about, um, uh, Joshua. Uh, also, on lepubscientifique.com, you can find uh, you can get access to this video and more information, and even a whole range of other homebrew stuff. And, and, and uh, Josh will also be presenting for the homebrew uh, 2022, um, and uh, we'll present some more exciting data about how this uh, work. So far, so good. Thank you for watching and listening. See you next time.